0: Welcome into B-Squared's Your Weekly Weather Podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon.
1: And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma.
0: Bonnie, it's been a very interesting week weather-wise. We will get to the western wildfires, which we spent a lot of time last week talking about. And unfortunately, our predictions have come true. And that's the big continental weather story. However, uh, the big story actually is what is happening in the tropics. Because, Bonnie, no matter where you look, you got storms and... Named storms and areas of investigations, tropical depressions, tropical lows, tropical storms, and we have hurricanes. So, uh tropics, we see you.
1: Yeah, yeah, they are not slowing down whatsoever. There's three named storms out there right now. I don't know what category poet is, and I think Renee, is it Renee? Is that how you say it? Yeah, Renee, or, or
0: Re, it's Rennie or Renee, or it, it don't matter. That one's you know, not we know, we all know
1: who we're talking about. Yeah, we ain't, we ain't going to worry about it. It's still a tropical about... storm, though, right? Yes,
0: it is. So let's break down. We're not going to go in alphabetical order. Let's go in seriousness in terms of closeness to the United States. So we'll talk with Tropical Storm Sally because Sally is the first and biggest immediate issue because this thing looks like it could become a hurricane at landfall. And, Bonnie, lo and behold, guess what state gets to get in on the fun again? Louisiana. Yes. And from all intents and purposes, this thing wants to go over pretty much the exact same area once it gets onshore that has already been hit, not once, but twice so far this season.
1: Yes. Um, And then wants to make a turn for Alabama. So they need to be watching. But... Yeah, Louisiana um, has been getting it this season. I think the last thing I saw was Sally is supposed to be a cat, too, at this point. And everybody is talking about the very warm, undisturbed gulf waters and the lack of wind shear. So um, her slow movement right now, she's got a lot of time over a good fuel source. So we'll see if she comes ashore as a cat, too,
0: or more. Exactly. And, you know, we talked about that last week when we were talking about the tropics, you know. Um, we had storms in the Gulf this year. We had a major cat five, but because it was moving so fast, it didn't have time to churn up a lot of cold water that is, you know, below the surface. Mm. And this thing is still continued to be prime. It's impressive to see. Currently when we're taping this now, we're coming up on two o'clock central, three o'clock Eastern noon Pacific on Sunday, the stats for tropical storm Sally right now is its maximum sustained winds at 60 miles an hour. It's moving to the west-northwest at 12 miles an hour. Central pressure is now uh, not posted. Well, that's fun. Uh, I'll have to go back and find out where it is. But this thing is forecast to become a hurricane, and it's going to become a possible cat, too, as you said. Guess what lovely city is in the right front quadrant if this follows the current track? New Orleans. Yeah. Yep. this is a this is not going to be a repeat of what we saw with Katrina but this is still a very very serious storm the amount of rain this thing is forecasted to drop yep. is very insane we're looking on the order of 15 to 20 inches right over L- New Orleans right over lake Pontchartrain and this thing means business and she's gonna dump a lot of rain and it's targeted to a very very small area so that is not good
1: yeah and that's the concern and like we've talked about on a couple episodes that you know new orleans and surrounding areas are below sea level so any amount of rain causes flooding so 15 to 20 inches is going to be you know a pretty big deal for them right and on top of other areas nearby that are still recovering from
0: laura Right now, there is one benefit here. This storm, hopefully, is a quick mover. But when we say that, geographically speaking, the center of the storm right now is uh, roughly what they say uh, it's a couple hundred miles basically due west of Tampa Bay, Florida. Okay, mm-hmm. out in the Gulf. This thing, by the time it gets to 8 a.m. Friday, is sitting on the Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina border. So, I mean, it's honestly not that far. It's a few hundred miles, maybe less than a thousand, between its current center and where it's forecasted to be come Friday. That's a lot of rain in a geographical area and this thing's not moving that quickly. Yeah. So And is
1: it forecast to make landfall Tuesday?
0: It's forecasted to make landfall probably sometime between Monday night and Tuesday morning. So Again, another nightfalling hurricane in an area that's yeah. already been impacted by several storms. Uh, so, man, um, I know the last radar image that I saw out of Tampa Bay radar is that Sally was starting to get her act together. It looked like an inner yeah. eye wall was starting to be built, and uh, I mean
1: that's all it took. Like she was, right? you know, to the east of Florida, and then came over Florida, so she looked kind of janky and. Not put together, but now she's coming out into that warm, favorable water environment, and right. yeah, she's going to start looking better and better organized. So, right. This is what happened with Laura. She looked good. Going to be a Cat One at landfall, and then was basically a Cat Five at landfall. So, really, Sally needs to be watched because
0: yes, and my
1: it- guess is it it goes up in intensity from a Cat Two.
0: So, here here's the thing with Sally. And as we said with Laura, the forecast continues to evolve. Our models yeah. have done a very, very good job of tracking hurricanes, forecasting strength and intensity. However, the things that they have not done well is incremental steps in strength. We know, okay, yeah. it's it's supposed to be a, a tropical storm at landfall. Oh, it's going to be a Cat 1. Oh, it's going to be a Cat 2. Laura, tropical storm, Cat 1, Cat 2. Cat 4, Cat 5. It's incredibly tough to figure out storm intensity. And again, it's all based on forward movement, other atmospheric conditions. The Gulf is ripe for explosive growth. We know that. However, there is some area of shear that hopefully will limit the overall growth of Sally. So at this point, I think we're okay if we take a Cat 1 or a Cat 2. Obviously, we don't want to see any type of hurricane-making landfall. But if you're going to have one... I'd rather it be a cat one or two versus a major category, you know, three, four or five storms, so.
1: But just still something to keep an eye on yes. because it doesn't take much for any hurricane to take the next yeah. step to the next cat. So it's true. just got to keep an eye on it over the next two, three days.
0: It's, it's very true. And again, Sally was not one of those storms that we were watching last week. Nope. It was an area that formed. Over the Bahamas, drifted across the panhandle, had some spin to it, and it was pretty impressive. And she looked pretty impressive when she came across the east coast of Florida as well. But mm-hmm. now she is going to act together in the Gulf. One area that we are looking at as well in the Gulf is there is a surface trough over the west central Gulf of Mexico. It continues to produce limited share activities. Any development of the system expected to be slow to occur while it moves southwestward and then southward 5 to 10 over the Gulf uh, during the next few days. Chances of formation under 20%. But this storm is moving south. Sally is moving off to the west-northwest. So the Gulf is clearing out. There is an upper-level low that is way up into Canada. However, its trailing cold front is going through portions right now of Virginia, Virginia and tennessee down into alabama this is what will eventually grab sally and start to make that pull and swing Mm -hmm. it around to the east so
1: and that's why she's going to turn so quickly into alabama instead of further north exactly over Tennessee or something.
0: Exactly. And so, again, the forecast track, the cone's pretty wide, but we have a pretty, you know, solid i you know idea and chance of what we're going to look at. So Sally is the most imminent threat. We have Hurricane Paulette, which is out in the Atlantic. She's doing her own thing. Um, unfortunately, there is going to be a landfall with this. Not a U.S. territory, but she is going to make landfall over Bermuda as a hurricane. Currently, right wow. now, she is at... Uh, eighty miles an hour, so she's a cat one. She's just out there doing her thing That same you know eastward movement that we talked about with Sally is gonna happen with Paulette different storm system, but same principle. it's gonna impact Bermuda and then move off out into the sea again get entrained into the jet stream and off she'll go. We have wait do what?
1: hurricanes vanish into thin air in the Bermuda triangle like airplanes?
0: I don't think so. I think that
1: would be nuts. Imagine that, like
0: well, well, that there would be, she
1: is, and then we all blink, and then poof, clear sky.
0: Well, that that would be very 2020. <laughs> it would freak the crap out of a lot of people, including myself. Right. Um, people
1: would be like, the Bermuda Triangle is legit.
0: Yep. It just took. It just took Paulette. Well, here's the thing about the Bermuda <laughs> <Paulette's> Triangle, <gone. laughs> right? And here's the thing about the Bermuda Triangle. We have hurricanes cross that thing all the time, and they and they survive. Yeah. yeah. Other than that, that's true. I don't know, but. Paulette is uh, currently a hurricane, like I said, a cat one. She's going to impact Bermuda here in the next day or two. Uh, and I'm, I can't wait to see the video coming out of uh, Bermuda. She should be a relatively weak hurricane when she impacts. So that is, that is good news. Uh, we have Tropical Depression Rennie, who is out in the Atlantic as well. Uh, he's just cruising along at 25 knots, not doing his own thing. He will eventually dissipate probably sometime Tuesday night into Wednesday. He is currently moving off to the northwest, and then we'll make a turn to the southwest. And at that point, uh, we'll be done. But that is just the three named storms that we have in the Gulf. We have the area of investigation. We talked about the disturbance in the Gulf of Mexico. We have Tropical Depression 20. Tropical Depression yep. 20 looks pretty good, and this will most likely become a hurricane. It is forecast yep. to be a tropical storm later today. It will evolve, uh, evolve into a hurricane and currently is probably going to follow the, the uh, path of Paulette. Bermuda needs to be on alert. This thing will affect nothing but shipping channels out in the Atlantic until it gets closer to Bermuda. We are hopeful that this thing will make a northerly turn and then out back east and, and complete its life entire life cycle in the Atlantic which would be the most beneficial thing so that storm should it be named will become bum 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 you ready for this Teddy Teddy such a warm fuzzy name
1: love it and then we have two storms after that and then we will be going Greek
0: yes we will for the second time in history we'll get to that in just one second so Teddy will form tropical depression 20 will become Teddy There is another area of formation that is likely to uh, form into a a storm. It's a disturbance number two. Currently, there's a 70% chance of cyclone formation in two days. So this area is very ripe for explosive growth. And when you look at this, this thing is also going to be moving off to the west-northwest. So if that's the case, that becomes Vicky. And then we have yet another tropical wave. Which is a low chance of you know zero percent formation in forty-eight hours. However, up to thirty percent in five days, uh, coming off of the African coast right now. So that needs to be watched. If that were to take a name, it would be Wilfred, and then at that point, at that point, Bonnie, we're going Greek. Wow!
1: For the second time in the history of named storms, yep. Just very apropos that this is going to happen in 2020.
0: It is. It's just keeping on par. It totally is. It totally is. There is no doubt about it. And, you know, when we look at. Gosh, you know, the peak right now is September 10th. So we're now on the backside of September 10th, right? September 13th as we're taping this. But, Bonnie, we're still very much in the, you know, prime area for storms. And, yes, it does kind of fall off. Pretty quickly as we get toward October 1st, but we're still in this very, very high area of, you know, storm formations over the last hundred years. There's no doubt that we look at storms, you know, forming. This is very typical, right? So we go through, we find where we're at right now in terms of storm tracks and storm formations, August 1st through the 10th and August 11th through the 20th. We're looking at long track hurricanes. A lot of stuff forms out. Off of Africa, a lot of stuff forms out um, you know, east of the Lesser Antilles, and they start making their way toward the U.S. and the Caribbean coast and all over the place. But this is what happens when we look at storms this time of year. It's the area we've been watching. It's the area where it's currently active. Man, this thing is not... There's no joke with this thing. we got to pay attention because we're looking at a pretty high likelihood of several named storms occurring at once, and we already have three, we'll probably have four by the time today's over. Mm-hmm. Maybe five if Rennie were to hold on and, say, Teddy gets a sack together and Sally, you know, makes landfall on Monday or Tuesday. We could be looking at five named storms happening.
1: And I just want to get to one, one Greek storm because I know, like, we're, like, on the downhill from hurricane season right now, so I just one greek storm that's it and then i'll be happy
0: well if the trend continues we'll probably have that by the time we tape next week
1: which is how it's been going every week right with what the podcast exactly. things get crazy yep. so and everybody keep an eye on sally
0: <laughs> but i will say this we have been ahead of the media trend so we are media trend setters we've been talking about going greek for at least the last month and a half that is true the mainstream and media talking
1: about being through the alphabet Yep. By the end of the month And it's going to be sooner than the end of the month yep. So.
0: Yep, Absolutely and the mainstream media Has just now caught up So you and I are trendsetters So congratulations Bonnie we are trendsetters Nailing it Yep.
1: I saw a little blip Of something on Twitter and I didn't read The whole story and I only saw one So I didn't see it come from multiple sources But Katrina might be coming out of Retirement
0: uh, I'd have to look at that Hold on here interesting i wonder why
1: because it's not like there's a shortage of k names out there and they're like oh we need katrina back because we're running low but maybe it's just kind of like at this point katrina is synonymous with katrina so even if there's another katrina that hits somewhere that's not as devastating when people just say the word katrina you'll think of the original one not a new one you know what i'm saying
0: um katrina was oh five right
1: I believe so yeah
0: okay so that was the other time that we went greek so i don't know if it
1: wow that was the other time we went greek yeah very that was... interesting
0: it was and so i don't i'm not seeing anywhere that it's being re- it would unretire i don't think the world meteorological organization would do that just because of the giant impact it had and yeah. all of the you know current um you know ramifications that It caused, there's still a lot of people that you hear Katrina and they are visibly upset by it. So I don't think the World Meteorological Organization would do that. But 2005 was the last time that we did go Greek. uh, And it was at the time the only time we've ever gone Greek. So again, it looks like 2020 will be the second time uh, in history that we've gone into the Greek alphabet. So we will see what happens.
1: Wow. Wow. That is very interesting that the year we had Katrina is the other year that we went Greek. So that's right. very interesting. And very interesting that Laura, which is what? The one that comes right after Kay hit right. New Orleans and or hit Louisiana, caused a bunch of devastation on the another year that we're going to go Greek. Sure. So I, I, very kind of coincidental a little bit. It you is. Know?
0: It is very coincidental. I will say this. We get a lot of the... You know, things, well, if this happened, this would have happened or if this happened, this would happen. I'm not one necessarily to believe in, you know, pure coincidence. Yeah. I think things happen maybe kind of for a reason from time to time. But there are also times where people try to make a correlation between something that just it doesn't add up.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it's a stretch to be like, oh, L is right next to K. Like, so it's like, just like a repeat of 2005. It's not. It's just, you know. Right. It is interesting, though. So.
0: And again, we could have had, you know, there are plenty of name storms that we've talked about on the show this year that were short lived, two, three Mm -hmm. days, maybe. Maybe they didn't necessarily designate a true name or need a name. So if that's the case, earlier storms would have had that designation that would have moved in. Laura could have been, you know. Let me go. You know, pull up the names. I don't have them in front of me, but
1: could have been like Maria.
0: Or yeah, exactly. Laura could Nana. have been Kyle or Josephine or Isaias or Hannah at that point. So,
1: who was the C name? What was the C name? ball It was. Oh,
0: that's right, Cristobal. So, I mean, we're we're flying through the alphabet. There's no doubt about it. So, like I said, we got three left, and then we're going Greek.
1: And let's be real. A lot of the name storms have not had high impacts you know what I mean have not been major devastators so that's one thing to keep in mind is that just because we're flying through the names something just has to become a tropical storm to get a name exactly and not all the time does that tropical storm impact land any kind and if a tropical storm does impact the land typically it's gusty winds and you know some heavy rain for a little bit so you know Flying through the alphabet does not correlate with major devastation across the Gulf Coast and the right. East Coast of the country. So right. just kind of something to mention there.
0: Well, when we look at, again, and, you know, we're, we're using 2020 uh, 20 as kind of like this, you know, oh, my gosh, it's, you know, yeah. er, you know, insert your joke about. <laughs> like clear benchmark. Vi- yeah, exactly. <laughs> and look at, you know, insert your joke about, the you know, seeing clearly or whatever. When you look at 2005, again, that year that we had so many huge impacting storms, and we talked about this when we did our hurricane special show a few months ago, 2005 was the most active year for retired names. You had Dennis, Katrina, Rita, Stan, and Wilma. All very powerful storms, all storms that did a lot of damage. makes sense why they have retired it. At this point, that year still stands out as the most... Name storms that have been retired. I don't think 2020 is going to get to that point. 2020 will obviously have a few storms that are going to be retired. You know, Laura being the, the one that, you know, stands out. I mean, that for my money, that's going to be the storm that we talk about for the tropical season. Yeah. But... You know, what
1: other ones would be retired this season? I don't know. Besides that, Laura. That's
0: that's it. That's what I'm saying. I said, but if yeah. if the way the trend was going, you know, you'd think you'd have one or two more that possibly would retire. My my money and my guess is probably just Laura and that's fine. Yeah.
1: But you look at I could see Sally possibly not trying to like scare anybody, right. but Sally could get to that point.
0: Right. And depending on what she does, you know, that's gonna be that's gonna be the big one. So I was just reading. 19. Speaking of, you know, and we, you and I are very. We like to take lighthearted approaches to hurricane names. Okay. Yes. In 1974, Hurricane Fifi was retired.
1: You know, I'm kind of glad. Right. Because like Fifi is just too. I. It's. There's no way.
0: No. No. <laughs> you can't take yourself seriously like that.
1: But that's kind of early on for for a storm to get retired that's very interesting
0: sure i'm going through the list right now and you can go if you go to the national hurricane center and go through their um educational resources you can talk about how they name storms and all the retired ones but bonnie there are one two three four there are seven a storms that have been retired
1: wow okay because i was just gonna say and i think we've probably talked about this but i was just gonna say I don't think that Bonnie would ever get retired and it would have to take some sort of miracle. But if seven A's have been retired, then shoot, I have plenty of opportunity to get retired.
0: Yes, you do. So seven A's, three B's, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight C's, nine C's, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, nine C's, um, seven D's, eight D's, seven D's, one, two, three, four, five. Uh, There have been four E storms that have been Retired, a lot of F storms, Uh, a couple G's, a couple H's, uh, a bunch of I's, a lot of I's actually, a lot of J's, a couple K's. Uh, Because that
1: seems to be around the peak because those are kind of the middle of the alphabet. So middle of the season, peak, makes kind of, makes sense.
0: Yep. A handful of M's, two N's, two O's, one P, one R, two R's, two S's, one T, one W. So, yeah, I mean... It's, and a
1: W to get retired, that's also pretty... Right. But that was Wilma in 2005.
0: Exactly. So,
1: And that happened early on, not towards the end of the season. That was in, what, September?
0: Yeah, mid-peak. So... so you look at then it... then
1: we went Greek, so, yeah.
0: <laughs> so just to brush up on the Greek alphabet, we'll give you the first five, Alpha, Beta, Gamma, Delta, Epsilon. So if we're getting to that point, um, it's been a very, very busy tropical season
1: how far did we get in 2005 into the greek alphabet
0: i don't know um let me go look i can pull up i can actually tell you so hold on one second here uh, da, 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 da.
1: and that's the hard thing is there's not really data to compare this to like typically how far do we get into a greek alphabet when we go because like, it's only been one time so it's like right there's nothing really dicked about it other than to just go with the flow and see what happens.
0: Right. Uh, I will tell you. 2005. Uh, that is Atlantic. Alright. Well, we got th- quite a way through. So. Wow. We went with hurric- uh, Tropical Storm Alpha, Hurricane Beta, Tropical Storm Gamma, Tropical Storm Delta, Hurricane Epsilon, Tropical Storm Zeta. So we got six. We got in six.
1: Wow. Right. Okay, so that's just kind of something compared to not necessarily what's going to happen, but just, you know, at least something to go by. So this is going to be one of those years that are going to start researching the heck out of this year and seeing what similarities there were to five.
0: Exactly, exactly. And, I mean, you can pull up all these, all these papers and go back and read. Um, if you're a data nut like you and I are, Um, go into the National Hurricane Center's archives, and you can pull up any year through, you know, it goes back to 95, and I think they probably have stuff, you know, way before that. But you can click on a storm, and you can look at updated stuff. Um, So, like, if you click on just Hurricane Katrina, right, because we'll use that as the 2005 major storm. Okay, the official storm report that once it loads. You know, I'm sure it's a huge file because it looks like it's taking the load forever. Um, It is a total of 43 pages long. Wow. Dr. Rick Knapp, who we see on the Weather Channel, is the lead author on this paper. But, man, it it just goes through here. And you can look at the data. You can look at uh, a full rundown of what happened, how, you know, they used radar data and dropsons and everything else you know talking about casualties and damage and everything it is insane to go through and read and then you finally start getting down oh, let's see here on the seventeenth page you start going through and looking at you know your dates, times positions, wind speeds, all that stuff and it's fascinating to read and you know you look at the ship reports you look at the different things and it's it's comedy because you see all this stuff and you're like. All this data is available. We generally don't see it till afterwards just because that's when they have time to go through and actually pull it. But, Mm -hmm. you know, you just look at total rainfall as an example. Key West, Florida, 10 inches of rain from this. Doesn't make sense. Homestead, Florida, 14 inches of rain. Didn't necessarily come ashore there, but you're starting to see stuff, you know, like that. Um, Pensacola didn't report any rain for some reason or they couldn't find any rain. Um, but it's just, you look at it you're like, man, this is insane. (laughs) The amount of That's awesome though. Oh yeah. I mean, and all this data is available and it's great because you're like, okay. So, you know, there's Alabama and you know, we'll get into Louisiana here in just a second. But all right, Louisiana. All right. 11 inch, Uh, 11.63 inches at the Slidell National Weather Service office. Um, Let's see. Big Branch uh, National uh, Wildlife Refuge, 14.92. Wow. Um, You know, it looks like storm surge, 15.5 feet of storm surge at the Mississippi uh, River Gulf Outlet, Eastern New Orleans. New Orleans Lakefront Airport, 11.8 feet of storm surge, Uh, 18.7 feet of storm surge at St. Bernard Parish. Um, And so you look at this stuff, you're just like, this is insane. Like, absolutely insane.
1: That is awesome, though, that that's available. And I think that whole year meteorologically is going to be stuck and compared to this year. Just everything, right. the way that the atmosphere has behaved from the beginning of the year till now, because these are the two years that are going Greek. And so it's like, what similarities did they have? El Nino, La Nina. Warm winters, you know, that kind of thing, like right. to just see, because that's the kind of stuff that's going to start helping them predict, okay, we're going to have so many major hurricanes, so many hurricanes, so many name storms like they do every year. And so I think it's in a way a good thing right? that we're going Greek because that will help understand more what makes us get to that point, like what different factors go into just the overall weather pattern of the year that gets us that far
0: along. Right. And again, and when we look at the meteorological conditions that extend from the Gulf into the Atlantic, you're right. We see it every year. Obviously we are in the, you know, we're in the prime time for tropical systems. Right. And you look at the graph, it peaks September 10th. All right. So we know that it's going to be, chances are likely it's going to be an active season. But when you have had so many named storms, and you know, again, storms that started out pretty quick into the season before we even started the season, right? We had what three named storms by the time we officially got to July first.
1: That is, that is true. Did that so, happen in two thousand five?
0: I don't know. I'd have to go back and look real quick. But you know, when we <laughs> let's, uh, I can pull it up right real quick. Let's see. Tropical Storm Arlene was the first one to happen. Uh, yep, June eighth was Arlene is when it formed, and I just actually closed the window. But so, yeah, so we still had name storms forming before the official start of the season, July 1st. You're right. It's going to be interesting to see what happens, you know, study-wise, comparing 2005 to to 2020. I will say this, and we'll get into this more in the wildfire discussion here in a second. I don't think we can be so quick to jump to certain conclusions because of what we've experienced this year. Now, right? Out, outside...
1: Like we can't be like it's because 2020. Like that's just exactly. More of a joke. I
0: mean, okay, we're in the middle of a global pandemic, which right. you know we can talk about in a minute. Which I will say this: on the West Coast, <laughs> you know, we've been dealing with wildfires now for a while, and in the Pacific Northwest for about a week. Mm-hmm. Um, if I didn't know any better, I wouldn't know we're in a global pandemic, and I and I say that half jokingly because I understand the full ramifications of it. But everybody is concerned about smoke. Everybody's concerned about wildfires. Nobody's yeah. really concerned about social distancing. Um, yeah. And we are right. Get...
1: The big story is wildfires and hurricanes right now. Yeah. That's absolutely right.
0: Yeah. And, we'll, and we'll get into that in a minute because there is some stuff that I do want to talk about with the pandemic. But you look at the tropical storm that we've had or tropical season we've had for 2020. It's textbook across the board. Strong storms. Forecasts have been very accurate. I mean, we talk about Laura's forecast track was off by a mile several days out. That's impressive. Um, The strength forecast was a little shaky, and again, we understood that. I mean, the conditions were favorable. We just didn't understand how favorable they were going to be, and we didn't, I think, have a good grasp of what the other conditions in the atmosphere were like. We knew that it was favorable, but I don't think we knew it was going to be that favorable. So... You know, we look at 2020 and this season and we're going to leave it and be like, listen, okay, you know, there are other sub stories to it. We were in the middle of a global pandemic. How do we, you know, do a social distancing? How do we determine to open up what shelters? Uh, there's a whole number of factors, but meteorologically speaking, 2020 is one for the record books. And yeah, 2020 and 2005 will definitely be years that are compared to on a pretty mm-hmm. heavily basis. So if you're a college student, And you want to write a dissertation for your master's thesis or your doctorate, look at 2020 and look at 2005 in depth.
1: Yes. The whole year and including the winter
0: prior to the season,
1: like the whole thing to see what kind of similarities there are, because I think that will be very interesting to see how similar the weather pattern was. Right,
0: right. Again, 15 years apart doesn't make any bit of difference. It's literally a number on that term. But there are other years that we've seen that are busy. So, again, that would be a fantastic thing to look at. But, Bonnie, now let's just wait and see. Sally, again, Monday or Tuesday comes ashore in Louisiana, um, a state that's already been hard hit. It doesn't need more rain, but it's going to get it, and it's going to get more wind.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like we've been saying, New Orleans, other places around new Orleans don't need a heavy rainfall period, whether it's from a hurricane or just thunderstorms because they're below sea level. So they are already at a disadvantage and at a pretty decent risk when it comes yep. to any amount of high wind and, you know, meaning like storm surge and then heavy rain. So um, For them, it doesn't take much for it to become a pretty big deal pretty quickly.
0: Right. And I will say this right now, please send some of that heavy rain up to the Northwest. Yes so, you guys
1: need a couple
0: hurricanes. Oh my God we've had some in terms of wind but that that's a different story. So last week on the wind show. windless
1: hurricanes that's what you need
0: yeah, yeah exactly. Last week on the show we had talked about um, you know I was waking up on Sunday Monday with what was probably gonna be you know considered uh, an extreme fire risk and mm-hmm. when we taped the show on Monday I said it would not surprise me. If we saw several new wildfire starts, if this were to go down in a period of history in terms of, you know, wildfire in the Pacific Northwest. In the back of my mind, I didn't want to be correct, but I knew that it just the situation was way too favorable for not to happen. And unfortunately, it did. And for the last six days, uh, Western Oregon has been on fire. And parts of Washington State are on fire. Northern California has been on fire as well. The setup is a once in a fifty or once in a hundred year setup. Like I said, the last time that we really saw this was 1933, wow. uh, when we had the Tillamook Burn, which is a series of five fires over, you know, like a f- eleven year, fifteen year period. Mm-hmm. But it started that Monday afternoon, and I'm sitting at work at amazon and i work in a warehouse so i have you know garage doors or dock doors around me all the time I have a small little window and we knew the wind was going to be coming through probably about two three o'clock and i kid you not i'm i have the back to one of the garage doors and the thing rattles and i was like oh so i turn around i'm like oh the wind's here and that started it and over the course of the next five hours bonnie The smoke from central Oregon funneled its way through the gorge. Smoke from eastern Washington funneled its way through the Columbia River Gorge. And Portland went from blue sunshine and blue skies to this ugly, thick, brown haze. You could see it. You know, you've seen videos of, like, uh, a dust storm in in Arizona. Mm -hmm. Wasn't quite as bad as that, but that's what the sky looked like. And I will say this. The sky was doing some turbulent things and we were looking at winds gusting 50 60 miles an hour in metropolitan areas which again trop- heavy tropical storm force winds right if we want to compare yes. it to hurricanes but stuff that we've seen before but we see it in the winter or we see it uh in late fall uh, with like pacific coast storms and like okay so i mean smoke came in you could smell it in the air and we're like okay let's let's hope and pray stuff doesn't happen well Monday night, we're starting to hear stories of fires in the Cascades making runs to the west. Um, There is a community called Detroit Lake. Uh, It's a city that sits on the Detroit Lake, which is a, a dam of a local river. Bonnie, when you drive through this place, it is the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. Giant rolling hills of tall trees. Green everywhere. Blue water in the lake. And mountains, you know, poke their head out from around corners. In the series of about five hours, the fire destroyed everything. Wow. And I'm supposed to go to Central Oregon for Christmas. I'm debating if I'm going to fly or drive. It's a, you know, it's a four hour drive if I want to drive or it's a 25 minute flight. And I don't know if I can take the heartbreak of seeing it. Yeah. Knowing that it, it's going to be matchsticks everywhere. I will say this. My favorite little stop in the town of Detroit Lake was Spared. It's a grocery store right when you get into town. Everybody stops there to use the bathroom, shops. It's, it's actually for a convenience store and a small town grocery store. This thing is really nice. Like really nice. The owners have done a really good job of maintaining it and, you know, putting some money into it. It looks right. It survived. The fire station burned down. They lost a fire truck. Several homes destroyed. And that's the biggest of these little communities. There's another community called Mill City, which is just outside of Detroit, completely gone. And, you know, my heart breaks because these folks had a little warning, but not a lot of warning. And I'm talking about maybe an hour or two. Not days. And so we saw that, you know, Monday night, and at that point, we knew it was going to be bad. I wake up Tuesday morning, and again, I go to bed with smoke conditions. I wake up Tuesday morning, blue sunshine, wind is still howling, but I was like, okay, not, not too bad. Okay, maybe the wind, you know, cleared all the smoke out. It should be okay. I was completely wrong. <laughs> I walk out my door, and I turn around, I look to the south, and it looked like a dust storm, and it was a wall of smoke. Wow. And I'm like, this is not good. And over the course of the next few hours as I'm getting ready to go to work, this thing starts filtering in and it has not left. Uh, outside my room right now, the visibility is probably about 2,000 feet. The smoke has settled in on top of us. Our air quality is garbage. <laughs> like, we in the Pacific Northwest have the worst air quality anywhere in the world right now. And I'm talking about places like India. Beijing, uh, Bangkok, Tokyo. These places are notorious for bad air quality. We blow them out of the water. We make it them seem like it's a beautiful day. Jeez. So I mean the smoke has settled. It's not supposed to really go anywhere. We're waiting for a, a basically a weather pattern change. Yeah. The nice thing is the winds have died down dramatically. Um, I have a lot of friends that have had to evacuate homes in small little towns around, you know, where we live. Thankfully, the fires have not, you know, really breached into the metropolitan area. But it has been a thing where we're all on edge and we're, you know, waiting for a weather pattern to change. But, you know, I'm thankful for first responders. I'm thankful for firefighters. I'm thankful for police officers that are putting their lives on the line to help evacuations. Because that has been a key point. The one thing I will say that I'm really pissed off about are idiots that go into these towns and try and loot and steal when they know that people aren't home. Because we've had tons of arrests of that. We've also had tons of arrests of people trying to start little fires here and there, which I don't understand what in the world they're doing that for. But it just, it, it does blow my mind.
1: There's a lot of bad people in the world who take disasters as an opportunity to act crazy. Yep. And and it's it's mind blowing to me. These are just some of the worst people on earth that do that kind of thing.
0: They are. And then you know when they get arrested, like oh you know I really wasn't doing anything. No, you were. Come on. Yeah. We're not that dumb. Okay. Yeah. There's some of us that are. You're one of them. But you know we're not that dumb. And again, you know we talk about stuff that happens in certain cycles, right? Once in a 50 years a setup. Once in a hundred year setup. The thing that I really get annoyed at besides looters and other people is when people try and take advantage of this for politics. I will say this. I'm not the biggest fan of the governor of the state of Oregon, okay? I respect her because she is our duly elected governor. But she has showed time and again that she's not competent in managing certain things. She comes out and she's like, you know, this is directly related to climate change. And I'm like, hold up here. Where are you getting the information from? Yeah, that's a bold I'm like, statement. That, that's a real bold statement. She goes, oh, well, this is the bellwether. This is what's going to happen for me. I'm like, honey, this is a once in 50 year setup. Once in 100 yeah. year setup. If you're claiming this is bellwether, show me the proof of that. You can't yeah. just be like, oh, well, you know, my assistant, you know, talked to somebody and they said that this is. Uh, no, don't.
1: It would make more sense to blame it on the fact that it's 2020.
0: Right. And, exactly. And
1: not global warming. Exactly. So.
0: And again, we, you know, we won't. You know, dive into that because, you know, there's no factual setup on it. If you would know for a fact, you know, as a politician or climatologist or somebody that this is indeed that. Tell us that. Show us that. Prove it. Don't have a politician come out because, listen, we know that politicians lie all the time. Okay. It's the second thing that they do. Okay. It's right. You're trying to get votes. Okay. Right. And I get it. We live in a very politically charged time. But when you come out and say, oh, well, the reason why your city was destroyed was because of climate change. No, the reason why the city was destroyed is because a power line got blown over by high wind and it lit a tree on fire. And then that fire destroyed your city. Yeah. Okay.
1: Or one of these fools you were just talking about exactly. is trying to start
0: one. Exactly. So, again, the setup might be related to possible climate change. But until we have proof, can we please just take a moment and wait and examine the facts. Yes. You know, I, explain, I
1: think that's a very reasonable request.
0: I explained to a friend of mine the other day, he was talking about, you know, climate change and global warming. I'm like, listen, I, I follow the stuff very, very closely. Okay. I try and look at both sides of the argument. Now people are like, oh, well, you know, I, I, I don't care if you want to label me, whatever. I can see that the globe is warming, right? We see the data. But. I understand. Okay, you're going to add some more heat to the atmosphere. Chances are that we're going to retain more moisture in the atmosphere. I get it. Maybe that does lead to more flooding and more extreme events. But you talk to a climatologist, an actual state climatologist, or anybody that is looking at this. Ask them to give you documentation on any event that it's climate change, and they can't do it. They can't. We don't have the proof yet. Yeah. So let's take. Because I a... feel
1: like there's got to be a long time. Before you can decide, yeah, the climate is changing. Right. And it's not a 10 or 15-year time period. It's 50, 100,
0: exactly. and 200 we, years. And we very well could see something that happens in that short mm-hmm. time period, say 10 to 15 years, okay? I mean, we've seen, you know, yes, we understand that maybe the glaciers here in the Cascade Range are starting to lose, you know, mass and they lose it at a fast rate. Okay. Is that climate change? Probably. Yeah. But we can't identify, you know, we have our theories, right? Is it because we're putting more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere? Is it because of a man-made effect, blah, blah, blah? Is it a natural variation? There are so many things out there that we have to look at, and I mean really jump into it, okay? Mm -hmm. We have our talking heads. We have the scientists that believe in all of this stuff. And I'm not saying they're wrong or right. I just want them to be able to definitively prove That something is happening because of something. That's all I ask. And I know it's a very politically charged topic. I wish it wasn't. Yeah. But when you have a governor of a state and, you know, Kate Brown in Oregon and then even the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, came out and said, well, this is all climate change. Bro, it's not. Guess what? The West is on fire every year. Some years are worse than others. Drought absolutely affects it rainfall affects it snowfall affects it but please please don't do this because it makes you look bad and then you start to cause panic and that is not good
1: well and it just undermines the the idea of climate change or climate change like it sways people's beliefs one way or the other when you jump to like conclusions like that before there's any research done exactly on that particular event so it's just kind of like like you said, you're just saying it for political reasons, which right. is not helpful.
0: It's not helpful. And again, I'm not saying that global warming does or doesn't exist. I'm right. saying that you don't have the proof to make that statement. Okay, I understand. Fires on the west side of Oregon are extremely rare, like extremely yeah. rare. It doesn't happen. And the times that it does, and as we talked about last week, it's usually bad. And this week has been unusually bad. Okay, we have three major fires that have basically burned into one. We had fires in southern Oregon, which again, experiences fires every year, burn into a major metropolitan area and destroy parts of a very small city and encroach on a very large city. One of my best friends was evacuated twice, and she lives in a metropolitan area. Okay, so that should tell you what's happening. But when you come out and you make claims... Oh my gosh. It just... But this
1: is like the definitive reason we're having wildfires is climate change. Right. That's just like a really crazy statement. Like that would be like legitimately saying, you know, the reason we're going Greek in the tropics is because it is twenty twenty and that's the only reason. And right. it's like, okay, no. Like, you know, like that's you can't it's just it's a very bold statement. For someone who's not, you know, she's not a climatologist or a meteorologist.
0: She's not. And so he... it's
1: really kind of crazy to make that bold of a claim when you're not even a subject matter expert number one but two the event is still happening right. so any research on the event has not been done yet so how can you even it's it's just kind of an irresponsible statement it, it and is and i and i will there's say no this point to it <laughs>
0: and i will say this the governor of oregon dictates who is the state climatologist okay mm-hmm. the state climatologist for the state of oregon is a friend of mine he has been budgeted money to spend effectively 10% of his job as a state climatologist and the other time and the other you know time that he is you know paid for is to be a professor at Oregon State University okay wow. your state climatologist is given that small of a budget I, I and I, and you know what, like I said, he's a friend of mine. He's, he oversees the student chapter of the AMS in Corvallis where Oregon state is. But I'm just like, when you told me that I was just, I was blown away. I was like, our state climatologist is basically non-funded. Yeah. So.
1: And then the governor just says oh, goes out and makes that claim. And I'm just like, climate. oh
0: my gosh, I, I i so wanted to just hop on twitter and say that but i was like you know what it's not worth me getting into this it's just not worth my energy right now
1: political debates on twitter and facebook are just never they'll just make you more mad you know they will so it's just not even worth doing it right
0: and then you know you see other people retweet it or make comments and it's just like you know i just i don't have time to do this yeah don't have the
1: strength or the energy to deal with it yeah
0: but i will say this again the air quality is terrible out here um again, I wish we wouldn't, you know, be talking about this, but you know, the closest, you know, Tuesday night, um, I took half the night off. I was going to go do dinner with a friend of mine and the smoke was bad. Like we said, you know, what I saw Tuesday morning and it was just bad Tuesday night, the pictures. And I'll have to post some of these on our podcast, on our podcast, Twitter page at weather podcast. Just the sky was incredible, but On my way to dinner, I drove up by the Hillsborough Airport, which is where I work, near where I work. And the Hillsborough Airport sits on a plateau. And so you can see the mountains to the south. You can see the mountains off to the west. And obviously you see the Cascades off to the east. But as I'm driving, I look down the runway. There is a very eerie orange glow coming from hills where I know that generally you don't have fire. And sure enough, a fire had broken out, uh, probably man-made. We had a lot of power lines come down on trees. And for the next several hours, evacuations in areas that, you know, are heavily populated, but, you know, houses are spaced out, but there's a lot of vineyards, a lot of nurseries. So there's a lot of dry vegetation that can burn. And so after dinner, I drove up there because I wanted to see where it was at. And, Bonnie, it was really an eerie sight to see a big fire in a major metropolitan area and a lot of people having to leave very quickly.
1: Wow, that is so scary. And I mean, I'll be interested to see how some of these fires started. I know, like you said, that there's probably power lines involved and stuff like that. I know there was a fire somewhere, I don't know if it was California or Oregon, that was started by a gender reveal party. Yep, California. So it's just, you know, these like silly, irresponsible things that cause a lot of damage for no reason that have right. been avoided. So. Well, you, know, you can only tell people so much how to be safe, they have to actually listen and do it, you know?
0: Exactly, and I, and I will say this. Again, our first responders, especially here in Oregon, because I'm speaking on, you know, first-hand experience, have done a really good job in explaining levels of evacuation. If you're in a level one, please, you know, be prepared. Level two, you need to really be ready to go at a moment's notice. And level three is, you got to get out now. So... You know, let's look and see what's happening. Let's wait and see how, you know, things shake out. But it has been one of those things where, man, you just look at this last week and you're like, okay, it's going to be, it's going to be 2020. And I, again, I don't want to, I don't want to blame it on that because I know that's not a thing, but it's really easy to just be like, you know what, screw it. It's because of 2020.
1: Yeah. And I mean sometimes you kind of just have to just, you know, to to wrap your head around what's going on and stuff. It's like you kind of have to joke it off like, oh, this is so 2020, but it's still such a devastating thing. And, it is, you know, we are getting that smoke from California all the way here in Oklahoma. Yes, you are. And it's been overhead for a couple of days now.
0: Right. You know, I, uh, you know, I talk on this podcast that I do a radio show in Mesa, Arizona. And so part of the thing that I do is I do a weather forecast for them. I read the forecast discussion from the Phoenix office just because I want to kind of get a sense of, you know, what they're thinking. So I can relay that in the forecast if I need to change it. I mean, in Phoenix, it's pretty easy, sunny and hot. Yeah. You know, ooh, you know, real tough, real tough <laughs> to do that weather forecast. But I still want to look. And so, you know, they're experiencing some haze from the fires in California and the Pacific Northwest. But it was funny because they're like, oh, one report of a pilot coming in to Sky Harbor, uh, in Phoenix is uh, the first level was around 11,000 feet and it was pretty thin. And then there was another layer of smoke at about 8,000 feet. And he goes, and that was about mm, 500 feet thick. So, you know, it's interesting to see that. And so, again, you get different levels of smoke, different levels of the atmosphere. And, you know, you look at any visible satellite and you clearly can see that there is smoke, especially in the West Coast, but it's now spread across the country. The yeah. air of low pressure we talked about earlier that's going to eventually grab Sally and make her torn, turn to the east has brought in a lot of smoke with it. There's smoke that exists from coast to coast from the west coast. Yeah. And
1: And so that tells you, one, there's got to be a lot of smoke.
0: Oh, there is. Period. Yep.
1: For it to be picked up on satellite to carry across the oh, yeah. entire country. So oh, yeah. that's a lot of fires and a lot of acreage that's burning yep. right now.
0: Yep. <clears throat> um. And I I wish I would have tweeted it out and I didn't just because I was so busy this week trying to, you know, help uh, friends and family figure out stuff. Um, My twin sister and her kids came up from Corvallis in central Willamette Valley to stay uh, with me because the air quality there was even worse than it was up here. But, you know, you just when you're driving somewhere at, you know, noon on on a weekday and the city lights and the street lights are on because it's that dark with smoke. You know, it truly is something that's impressive to see. Mm-hmm. And again, I wish I would have saved and I can go back and find them because I know tons of people did. But just looking at the east wind, pushing the smoke from the Cascades off to the Oregon coast was impressive. But, Bonnie, one thing that was really fascinating to see is Mount Hood and Mount St. Helens, two of our you know biggest mountains out here on the West Coast, had dust blowing off of them. Wow. And that was picked up on satellite. Wow. And, I mean, this stuff was streaming off the mountains. And, you know, usually you're going to get either high-level winds or low-level winds. The atmosphere was inverted, and so everything basically below 10,000 feet was blowing due east. And it was rocking. And it was really cool to see, you know, <laughs> the the dust blow off, off Mount Hood and Mount St. Helens. But, man, it, you know, it was very indicative of what was happening. And we knew that there was going to be a fire start fire was going to spray quickly and it did
1: and it's sad that that all had to come true and that it wasn't just one little fire here right. and there that it is a pretty significant yep. area that's oh yeah still burning right now. oh so, absolutely
0: and it's going to burn and you know the safe fire marshal said is probably going to burn until we get those heavy fall and winter rains
1: yeah and so, so that'll just be constant around the clock work keeping yep. it contained keeping it from getting you know and I don't even know what you can do personally for your own and home, but I don't know. Maybe spraying your lawn down and your fence down. If you're close to a fire, maybe. I, I don't even know other than that and be prepared to get out.
0: Right. You so you, you think that that's a great thing. However, they're saying that they're worried about making sure you have water available for no, firefighters no. to use. Now, I will say this, and I did tweet this out earlier this week. You know, we hear that you know firefighters are having a hard time fighting conditions because of rugged terrain and different terrain. Yeah. Once you get into a city, once you get into an urban area, the amount of defensible space, which is the term used uh, in the fire circles, to basically. Say my house is either vulnerable or not. Obviously, every house is vulnerable to fire, but there are steps that you can do to prevent wildfire from encroaching on your home. It is called defensible space. You don't have wood piles next to your house. You have green grass. Uh, you take the leaves and the pine needles out of your gutters, or you move them off your roof. You do everything you can to eliminate. Areas that can start a fire because you can start a fire on a house mile away from the main fire because of a hot ember. It falls and falls into a leaf pile or a wood pile next to your house. And the next thing you know, your house is on fire. So defensible That is a good point. Yeah. So defensible space is what we talk about. But once you get to an urban setting where you have cities, your defensible space goes up like tenfold, hundredfold, a thousandfold. And you also have infrastructure right you have streets which fire trucks can drive on they don't have to make their own path you have fire hydrants so they have access to a constant water supply so there are things that you have to look at and be like okay we saw that with a fire that's really close to me it's up on the hill uh just to the west of where i live There are roads but they're not fire hydrants so you have to ship in all your water you have to bring them in on water tenders so Again, in the major developed areas where you have fire hydrants, most neighborhoods have fire hydrants, you have lawns, you have defensible space around your house. That's the thing that you can do. The other thing you can do is you can donate to like the Red Cross. You can donate to nonprofits, churches, other community organizations that are helping these communities bounce back. And it has been fantastic to see the community rally to help our neighbors. That is the good in people. Yes, we have the shitheads that try and light fires, but then we also have a lot of really good people who are trying to help their neighbors out, donating money, food, clothes, shelter, anything that they can help.
1: And that's what you need. And that's what's really nice to see during a disaster is, you know, people come together to rebuild the community and get everybody back on their feet. So that's like. I don't want to say like a good thing about a disaster, but that is something refreshing to see. Absolutely. Out of a community.
0: One hundred percent. One hundred percent. So, you know, again, we talked about last week. I didn't want it to have happen, but I just I had a feeling and unfortunately it did. With that said, we are waiting for the conditions to change. We are under a dense fog advisory and a dense smoke advisory at the same time. So I wish they would just call it a dense smog advisory, but they don't have that product from the National Weather Service. So we're just waiting. We should have a cold front move through late tomorrow, early Tuesday. It could drop some rain depending on who you talk to and what model you look at. You're going to get a wide variety of anywhere from a tenth of an inch to an inch or more. So we're waiting to see what happens. The weather is not necessarily changing. high pressure kind of dominates right now, Very, very light winds. That's why the smoke's not going anywhere, so we're literally gonna need something to push all the smoke out and Bonnie, we don't know when hopefully by Tuesday or Wednesday, but we'll see so
1: maybe Hurricane Sally will make it up that way.
0: Oh, give me a sharpie. We'll make it happen. <laughs>
1: Right. Yep. And Sally will follow the Sharpie line. So
0: I hope so. One can hope one can hope. Yeah. I'm watching hockey. It's on TV in the studio and there was a fight going on. These two guys are going at it and now they're just smiling. Oh, he just popped him in the face. That was awesome. <laughs> they're smiling, joking. All of a sudden he just popped him in the face. Oh gosh. I Let's love. Let's
1: be it. real. That's why you watch hockey is I, for the fights. I love playoff
0: <laughs> hockey. It's fantastic. Although my team, the Red Wings aren't in it. They've been bad lately.
1: hey thunder's out of the playoffs, so i know
0: i know know. i'm sorry
1: but so are the rockets right oh
0: that was a good punch that was a good punch (laughs) (laughs) and now the ref breaks it up now the ref breaks it up (laughs) hockey it's it's amazing so all right what do you guys have incoming coming forecast wise for oklahoma city because i know you had some storm chances this last week but what do you guys got going on
1: Yes. Um. Yeah, I will say this last week was nice. We had a really good cool down in the middle of the week. Um. You know, not to rub it in, but we had uh, pretty significant rain this last week. We had a couple of days where it was constant rain pretty much whole day, whole night. Not necessarily heavy rain, but just steady rain. We did have a lot of drought improvement. Um, over this last week so that was good Um, right now cool evenings cool overnight cool mornings and then we're getting up into low 80s in the afternoon right now so it's that time of year where it's weird and you you need a sweater in the morning but then by the afternoon it's warm and comfortable and you don't need your sweater anymore so people's acs and heaters are being flipped throughout the day so that's that's an interesting time but that's pretty much what we've got going on still right now for the rest of the week
0: right well we're running air conditioners just to help filter out the smoke even though our temperatures uh you'll love this so our forecasted temperature say on friday was supposed to be anywhere between the upper 90s to 100 but because we had the layer of smoke so thick we barely made it to 70.
1: wow So, see, that's kind of a silver lining there of of the fires that kept your temperatures
0: down. Right, which also inhibits, you know, fire growth. But Mm -hmm. it was very interesting to see that dynamic. Uh, Up here in the Pacific Northwest, again, we're waiting to find out what happens Monday, Tuesday with this cold front. Uh, Temperatures right now are running, you know, they should be in the 90s. It's 61 degrees right now as we get it close to 1 o'clock as we're taping this on Sunday afternoon. But... Temperatures are supposed to be remain in the low 70s. Maybe we crack 70 if we're lucky, if the smoke lifts a little bit. Uh, but so the smoke has really inhibited our temperatures. And so a lot of people are like, well, our summer's done, you know, and we're just going to wait for the rain to start. Well, we'll see. But uh, I'm just glad that we are... You know, hopefully on the backside of any issues with fires encroaching for the west, if they're going to burn east, that's fine because they'll burn up into wilderness area and then firefighters can go out and attack it there. That'd be great. Uh, I'm just happy, one, that we have some college football back. Yeah. So uh, props to the Sooners. You know, they took care of business yesterday. I will say this. Um, Y'all don't know how to social distance at Gaylord Memorial (laughs) Stadium. And I know a lot of the professors at OU sent out tweets about that yesterday. I laughed pretty hard about that. Um, So let's just be smart, please. Please be smart. I want college football to be around for a while. I want, you know, my Oregon Ducks to actually play. The Pac-12 is not going to play this year, which is stupid. So I hope they reverse their decision and start in a couple weeks because that'd be fantastic. But it's highly unlikely. But I will say this, I did buy some brand new Oklahoma Nikes, so that is cool.
1: See, there you go. That's nice. Yes. I want to see him. You'll have to like, post a picture or send me a picture.
0: I will do- totally do that. I'll do that here in just a little bit. So, Well, you know, it's it's been an interesting week weather-wise. It's going to be another interesting week coming up. Uh, like I said, yeah. all eyes on Sally, all eyes on the West Coast to continue seeing this fire issue. But, Bonnie, another great edition of B-Squared, your weekly weather podcast.
1: Yes, a very great addition.
0: Yes, we had a lot of fun. So uh, I am Bobby in Oregon.
1: And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma.
0: And we will talk to you guys next week. Bye.